0: Welcome to another edition of the Golden Hose Podcast. I am your host, Gregory McCoy. This podcast is by a fan for fans. I am not a journalist. I am not a reporter. I am not an insider. I do not work for a website. The majority of my information comes from me and my opinion, other information comes from the internet. Today is January 19th, 2020. And I have a couple of different segments that I um, created for this episode and I hope you enjoy it so here goes um first up is gonna be has Florida State basketball surpassed Florida State football and here's what I wrote about that um has Florida State basketball surpassed Florida State football kinda sorta not really Florida State football will always be king um we can't deny that the success of the basketball program um, You can't deny that either. I think it would take a string of several championships to overtake the football program. Even then, I don't think it would be enough. Uh, give Leonard Hamilton credit. He has put together a pretty good program and he's having a great season this year. And he's slowly coming out of the shadow of the football program. But we all know that if this Florida State football program ever gets rolling again, it will instantly take over. As the dominant program at Florida State, if it was ever unseated as the dominant program. Uh, no disrespect to the basketball program, you're doing a great job this year. Um, but Florida State football will always be king in Tallahassee. All right. You know, um, I follow the basketball team a little bit. I'm not going to say I'm a diehard. Um, Florida State basketball fan, but I do pull for them. They are my college team. I'm I'm not like a I'm Florida State everything. So, I don't flip-flop between Florida State football and you know, and college basketball. I'm a Duke fan. No, I don't do that. I'm Florida State everything. But uh, to be totally honest, I really don't follow them like I used to back when I was a kid when they had Charlie Ward and Sam Cassell and Doug Edwards and Bobby Surr and those guys. Um, but, you know, like I said before, Leonard Hamilton has put together a great program. I think the last time I seen it, they were 14 and two. They were like number nine. They beat Virginia. The last game I saw or, um, the last, uh, yeah, the last game that I actually looked at on, uh, the, uh, internet. So, hey man, kudos to the basketball program But it's going it would take something very, you know, big For Florida State to ever become A basketball school And uh, there's only a couple, of, you know The basketball schools, we know who they are But the ACC as a whole is primarily a basketball league There's only really a couple of uh, football schools in this league Virginia Tech, Miami, Clemson in Florida State. So let me know what you think about that segment. And I'm going to go to the next one. Great coaching versus great players. Which matters more? And this is what I wrote about that. Great coaching versus great players. Which matters, which matters more? I have to give the edge to great players. Without great players. Having a great coach is really useless in my opinion. Don't get me wrong. Having a great X's and O's guy. Is paramount, but without talent, I don't think the great coach ever gets anywhere. In some cases, it's the opposite. Example, the Dallas Cowboys, talent everywhere, but their coach, um, you know, he didn't do a good job. Then you have the Tennessee Titans. The player talent is okay, but the coaching is outstanding. But I still feel like great players is what, is what makes sports go Another example is Kawhi Leonard Last year in Toronto He basically lifted that team to the NBA title um, I don't think there was great X's and O's in that situation either So again, players make this thing we call sports go um, You know, you just look throughout history, man How many great coaches have lifted mediocre talent to a championship? It's rare. It's very rare. Um, You know, at the end of the day, you do have to have a guy out there that knows what he's doing. Um, You got to have a guy that can motivate. Um, You got to have a guy that can, um, you know, get these players to buy in to a system. So... You know, it kind of works hand in hand, but, you know, if you don't have talent, you're pretty much just going to be mediocre. So. Let me know what you think about that segment. Moving on to the next segment. Does playing in a hard, not does, excuse me, does playing a non hard non conference schedule prepare you. For harder Teams, like in the college football playoff let me repeat that because I fumbled does playing a hard non-conference schedule prepare you for harder teams alright and this is what I wrote about that does playing a hard non-conference schedule prepare you for harder teams no doubt about it look at LSU for example one of the hardest schedules in college football history When a team has great talent, you can't be afraid to lose. You play anybody, anywhere. I wish more teams would play harder opponents. And too much emphasis is placed on going undefeated. Losing is a part of the game. It will happen eventually. Playing cupcake cupcake teams is not a good recipe for success. They give you a false sense of security. I think that... I think that what uh, derailed the Clemson Tigers is they faced a team that could counterpunch Ohio State and LSU, and they couldn't. Well, they overcame Ohio State barely, um, but they couldn't overcome LSU because, I mean, the guys across from you could punch back, and in most cases, harder than you. So, you know, when you play Wofford and Charlotte and next year you're playing Akron and the Citadel yeah you'll go undefeated you win the ACC championship but you know if Alabama and Ohio State and whoever else is there waiting on you I mean it might be the same result so I you know put UCLA on the schedule you know put Baylor on the schedule I mean put put some hard teams on there um if it was up to me power five Teams would only play power five teams. Then we would know who the real contenders are and who's not. So, like I've been saying, man, you know, take the cupcakes off the schedule, man. The Citadel, Akron, really? You know, even my boy, even, you know, Florida State, they got Sanford on the schedule. They got Boise State and West Virginia and Florida. But hey, take Sanford off of there, man. I mean, last time we played Sanford, we barely won. So maybe we need to keep Sanford on there. Well, maybe you know this program's not in a place where we can say, you know, Sanford is an easy opponent. Um, but you know, I just get tired of the cupcake games, man. At the beginning of the season, they really serve no no purpose other than you're writing a check to that school so you can get an easy win that's basically all it is so um let me know what you think about that I'm gonna move on to the next segment um freshman Stingley cornerback Stingley versus Deion Sanders who is more dynamic and not Deion Sanders that was in the NFL freshman Deion Sanders a lot of y'all can't remember that I can um Freshman versus freshman, Darryl Stingley Jr. versus Deion Sanders. Who is the better talent at the same point during their collegiate careers? This is one heck of a comparison. Stingley shut down half of the field against Clemson, and Trevor Lawrence didn't really try him that much. This is a Deion Sanders like trait. I think Deion followed the best receiver his whole career uh Higgins and Ross are awesome so Stingley was pretty much covering uh great receive great receivers on either side um both guys do punt returns I feel Dion is more explosive than Stingley in this area and really more explosive in all areas than uh Stingley um I feel like Stingley is going to be a shutdown corner for a long time, but he's not on Dion's level. He's closer to Jalen Ramsey. Maybe that would have been a more, um, favorable comparison for Stingley. Um, uh, but, um, Stingley had an awesome game in the college football title game, college football playoff title game. And that's why I put him against Dion. Um, In this comparison. Uh, The edge goes to prime time. Um, You know. Stingley is a. Ultra talented player man. He's one of the best corners. I've seen come out of college. In a long time. And I think when he gets to the league man. He's going to be something very special man. Um, He's going to be a top five pick. When he comes out. In two more years. Two more years. Um, So I can't wait to see it. And I hope maybe my 49ers get him. So let's move on to the next segment, which is going to be, can the ACC ever get on the SEC's level in football? And, you know, I seriously doubt it. The SEC West trumps, no pun intended, the whole ACC. The SEC is too has too much power and influence, the likes of which the ACC will never realize. Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee in the East are heavy hitters too. Clemson can go toe-to-toe with any SEC program in any category, but until Florida State, Miami, and Virginia Tech and some other teams step it up, it's a moot point. Even then, that won't be enough. There's a lot of old money in the SEC old money like 1800s old money the ACC is still a basketball conference first football second and the reverse for the SEC look man you the SEC takes very takes football very seriously okay and we all know that these teams these uh, college teams they buy players and I feel like the only program the only two programs that can compete with the SEC in terms of money is Oregon because you got Nike and Phil Knight and then Clemson somehow some way is getting anybody they want. So it's, it's it's a private billionaire investor somewhere. It's got to be because you're not getting these players off of bold money. There There's a private investor somewhere, bro. And kudos to them. Kudos to them. You know, everybody's doing it. You do what you got to do to win games. No disrespect. Um, so let me know what you think about that segment. And my next segment is going to be, um, is football fashion real? All right. Is football fashion a real thing? Yes, it is. I think Deion Sanders invented this. I can rem- I can't remember any player before him who was concerned about their fashion on the field um Dion always wore the air shut helmet with the octagon face mask wristbands neck bands a lot of what he did filtered down to other players players used to tuck their jerseys under their pads to show off their abs and tuck in their sleeves to show off their biceps this is all fashion the different color visors Players wear OBJ OBJ had on a watch in a game Um, in 2019 OBJ had a watch on in 2019. In a game, Michael Crabtree uh, got a chain ripped off his neck in during a game, even in video games, they will let you swag the players out. Uh, Now they have engravings on the thigh pads. I can only imagine what the future holds for fashion and football. You know, you know, players nowadays like to stand out, you know, in any way that they can. So whether it be the, the bicep uh, bands or the wristbands or the elbow bands or, you know, the, the crazy designs on the shoes, you know, I love it, man. I just, you know, the more individualistic you can be. The more I love it. So, um, you know, then you got the eye black when they paint, you know, when they write stuff on the eye black under the eyes. I like that too. You know, back in the day, they used to put their area code on there so everybody knew where they was from. So, let me know what you think about that segment. All right. Next up is going to be the top 10 best running backs during my lifetime. And this is my opinion now. Number 10, Reggie Bush. Number nine, Ladanian Thomason. Number eight, Thurman Thomas. Number seven, Edrin James. Number six, Fred Taylor. Number five, Warwick Dunn. Number three, Garrison Hurst. Number two, Marshall Falk. Number one, all-time, in my opinion, Barry Sanders. That rushing record he got thing is like 2100 and some change i don't see nobody breaking that no a thing is like 2600 right 2600 i don't see anybody breaking that no time soon all right i don't see nobody breaking that no time soon man so i'm just typing it in on my computer to make sure i'm um I'm quoting the right numbers. Twenty six, twenty eight. Yeah, ain't nobody breaking that. That is insane, man. <laughs> so let me know what you think about that top ten. The next top ten and the final category is going to be the top ten hottest females in sports. Number ten, Molly Querum from First Take. Number nine, Sage Till from Sports Center. Number eight, Josina Anderson from uh, NFL Live I think is the name of the show number 7 Charlie Caruso she sometimes fills in for Molly Queerum on first take number 5 I hope I say I'm I hope I'm saying her name right Teresa uh, Thompson number 4 Taylor Hill WNBA player number 3 Serena Williams number 2 Aaron Andrews NFL sideline reporter my number 1 Hottest female in sports is Skylar Diggins. All right, let me know what you think about that list. And that's going to do it for this episode. I appreciate all the support from everybody that has subscribed to this podcast. It's available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please scroll down to the description, click, click on one of the links, and please rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, go knows.